Hello and welcome along to episode 65 of the All Things Lease podcast with myself, Ed McIntyre. And joining me virtually is my co-host, as always, it's Charles Foster. Hello, Charles. Hi, Matt. How you doing? All in all, I'm well. I have got a bit of a cold and at the weekend I realised I'm allergic to something. But apart from that, everything's great. <laughs> how, how are you? Yeah, I'm okay. I was just I was telling you what off camera, I've been doing a bit of exercise recently. So I'm a bit kind of, because I generally live on the sofa, I'm a bit tired at the moment. But, <laughs> you know, pleased to be talking about Leeds. Yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm very much looking forward to talking about Leeds for the next hour or so. Um, and yeah, I, I went out for a run last week and the day after, like my body just really killed. It really ached. And, you know, even though I stretched, I warmed, warmed up, I warmed down. Uh, I, I, my body was still in a lot of pain. And I think it's because, you know, of the past few months, past three months or so, we've been in lockdown, been, been out home i haven't really done much exercise and your body just needs to get back back used to it uh, but i'm looking forward to the gyms reopening though and hopefully that's soon now we've got plenty coming up in the show plenty to catch up on loads of news to go over but before we get into any of the topics um, as always i do want to say a big thank you to all key workers and nhs staff for all of your hard work during this pandemic and i do just want to urge listeners and viewers to follow all the advice during this pandemic and help protect the nhs and to save lives <laughs> Uh, now, despite championship players and managers testing positive for COVID-19, including a member of staff at Leeds United, um, it hasn't been confirmed who it was, uh, but Leeds United's fixture list for the remaining nine games of the 2019-20 championship season were revealed last week on Monday. Very exciting. Uh, now, I say championship players and managers have tested positive for COVID-19. It is a very low number and the rate of infection has gone down as well. You know, it, it's not enough to cause too many problems. Uh, but of course, you know, to those who have tested positive, uh, wish them all the best. Uh, but Charles, before I read, o- read out the uh, fixtures, uh, the announcement of the dates and kickoff times last week, uh, you know, I think it really got everyone, you know, really excited. Obviously, it made us all realise that football is so close to coming back. And, you know, that this is very real and that Leeds United will get the chance to gain promotion properly. It's because it's very different thinking about something as a kind of an EFL proposal because we're not the football league alike as opposed to something <laughs> which is which is actually organised. Someone's actually done a, a schedule for it. It's, yeah, it's and very it's, different. It's a sensible schedule as well. Well, I mean, I still think the Cardiff away game is a bit silly midday. I mean, yeah. I don't know. I don't. Want, I don't know what the situation is with the players. How are they going to be able to stay in a hotel the night before on the Saturday night and then go? Or they're going to have to travel down at three o'clock in the morning. Yeah, what that's interesting. That? We'll get into that a little bit later on. But um, but yeah, I'm very excited now. Now that we know, we know when games are going to be played. Um, obviously, some of them may change to, to TV broadcasting uh, deals. But um, no, very excited that football's about to return. So the uh, fixture list is as follows. Uh, so in June, uh, first game back is away at Cardiff City, Sunday the twenty first, twelve p.m kickoff live on Sky Sports. The next game at home against Fulham, Saturday the 27th of June, 3pm kickoff uh, live on Sky Sports as well. And then the game afterwards is at home against Luton Town, uh, Tuesday the 30th, 7.45pm kickoff. And moving into July, the first game in July is away at Blackburn Rovers on Saturday the 4th, 3pm kickoff there. The home game against Stoke City, that's been changed for Sky Sports recently. Uh, That game is on Thursday the 9th, uh, 5pm kickoff there. So, I look forward to rushing home to watch that one after work. <laughs> uh, the next game after that is away at Swansea City, Saturday the 11th, 3pm kickoff there. Uh, the next game after that, home against Barnsley, Tuesday the 14th, 7.45pm kickoff there. And then it's away at Derby County on Saturday the 18th for 3pm kickoff. And then uh, the last game of the season is, of course, at home against Charlton Athletic on Wednesday the 22nd. Uh, the kickoff time for that is yet to be uh, confirmed. And I do please note that uh, the games which haven't been selected for Skyboard 
broadcast yet may change. Um, I'm I'm thinking, Charles, at least six of our remaining nine games will be on TV. What do you think? Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me. I think especially if it comes down to a bit of a title race between us and West Brom, right down to like the last couple of games, they will probably pile them all on TV. Um, yeah, definitely. Whereas if like we run away with it and we're like, like four or five points clear by the end, they, they might not put it on. Apart from the, the winning game, we get the title. Or if West Brom run away with it, they might not put it on TV because there's because um, apart from their winning game, because there's not really, there's not really much point watching the uh, someone win a title on TV if it's a one-horse race, is that as Liverpool have kind of proven. Yeah, <laughs> people yeah, but, but people it, like a bit. But drama. if the team's going to lift the title done, then they will put it on TV. Um, and I have seen, you know, yeah, a few Leeds fans be angry on. that yeah. there's only a handful of games so far being selected for Sky Sports. But you know, I've t- I've told them. You know, more games are going to be selected for Sky Sports. They've just selected the first few. A lot more games are going to be on Sky Sports. You know, if Leeds United could win the could win the league away at Derby or at home against Charlton on the final day, that's obviously going to be on TV. Sky Sports are going to say to no, we're not going to show that. <laughs> do it away at Derby. Derby. Yeah, that'll be good. <laughs> Lift the trophy right in front of Wayne Rooney. That'll be fantastic. <laughs> yeah, because then because then the game against Lee Boyers Charlton is a bit of a kind of. It's a point. It's a bit of a friendly, a bit of a pointless game. We can have a bit of a laugh with it. Yeah. So that's our nine remaining games uh, packed into one month, which is uh, quite sweet. Get it all over and done with. Um, and they're in the same order as they were before lockdown as well, which I think is good. Keeps the integrity of the competition alive there. Um, I must say though that yeah, I agree with you, Charles. I'm not a fan of our first game away at Cardiff City still being at 12 p.m. Uh, on a Sunday because if the team can't travel down the, the day before and get a hotel, you know, because of travel restrictions or hotel restrictions, then that's going to be a very very early start on the Sunday. It's going to be a big disadvantage as well if you're asked to get up at what two half two in the morning to travel down to a game and you've not slept all night and then you've been asked to play ninety minutes of football. Whereas Cardiff have obviously they they can just sleep in their own homes and then go uh, go to the stadiums. It's a massive disadvantage that. Yeah, one hundred percent. And you know as well because because the days are lasting longer. It's a lot more brighter. At, you know, late at night, ten eleven o'clock, it's still a little bit bright outside and it's harder to get to sleep when it's bright outside. You know, I I always struggle to to get to sleep when 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 there's light outside. So yeah, it, the, the players may get little to no sleep on the night before and then have to travel down early so you'd hope that they can get a hotel but you no know, it's pretty ridiculous that it is still 12 p.m kickoff on a sunday you know we always say that it annoys the fans having to get up early but during this pandemic then you know 12 p.m on a sunday away at cardiff miles away it is a little bit silly i'm not really too happy with that uh, but we move on uh now you'll notice that uh, there's no midweek game in the first week and that's uh you'd think is to stop the clubs that have been moaning uh, saying that they need an extra week or so to prepare. I think that's just so they can stop moaning. Um, I think it's, yeah, QPR and Sheffield Wednesday were moaning, weren't they, about it? Yeah, they I think they haven't, kept, they haven't kept their players fit and now they're moaning that they're going to be, you know, straight into it. Yeah, so I think it's just to say, yeah, get this one game out of the way and then you get another full week to prepare for your next game instead of saying, oh, yeah, if you want an extra week, tough you're going to get two free games in the space of seven days so yeah i think it's to stop the clubs from moaning and yeah just get that first game out of the win and they've got a full week to prepare for a very busy schedule because after that first week it is just saturday tuesday saturday tuesday right up until the end of the season so it is very busy it is all packed into one month you know which i quite i quite like you know it gets it over and done with and you know make, make sure that it can get finished because if it was spread out over two or three months then there could be a chance it may not get finished and you know there's still a chance that it, the season may not finish you know if we play two or three Three games, then uh, you know a big uh, spike in coronavirus cases happens. Then you know the government they'll say no, nothing can go on right now. But then football will be cancelled again, and it could be uh, void or or whatever. So um, yeah, it's good that it's squeezed in. Try get it over and done with, and hopefully 
Uh, we can get the uh, season finished, and it does look promising. Um, and you may also notice that uh, all of our midweek games being played on an evening now at home, which I personally think is a huge advantage, Charles. Because as I say, you know, with travel restrictions and hotels, you know, you don't want to travel. Right, so we've got a game away at Cardiff, away at Swansea. You don't want to travel there on a night and then have to travel back on that night. You know, you, you'd want to play that game away at Swansea, stay over in Swansea and then travel back the next day. You know, so so again, it's a, it's a lot more easy, Charles. Yeah, I think the uh, the club are uh, probably very pleased at the fact that we've got all those um, those home games midweek because it's um, it, the players will be, I imagine the players will especially be more pleased about that because they can they can have, obviously have a lot of extra rest before before we play the games. And they are, they are going to be very important. I mean, the first couple of, probably they are going the most crucial games of the season if we can win and because Cardiff we never beat Cardiff we haven't beat Cardiff in about four years so we can get we can beat them and then we can beat the last promotion rival we've got in the top six as as it will stand as it stands right now in, in Fulham then we we are probably I don't think we're too far away I know that's yeah, an arrogant statement I don't think it's an arrogant statement because I know there's only seven games seven games after that but yeah. once, once if, you, if, you, if you slap Fulham back down and Brentford are 11 points clear then you're starting to think well and plus, uh, first game, Fulham are playing Brentford, aren't they? So if once that's done, then if, if everything goes our way, and that's a big, big if, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> then we could be right. We could, we could be writing with a good chance. Yeah, but I agree with you. you know, the, the earlier games they are very important, you know, because if you're looking at nine games left, if we win six of those, I'd say that we're up. And so if you win your first two or three, that just takes so much pressure off you going into the remaining few games. Um, and, you know, after three or four games, who knows, we could be just one win away from promotion. You know, it, it does take a lot of pressure off. So, yeah, the, the early the early games, you know, they are very important. And, you know, I think I think we'll be great and into this. You know, we've said it before, it is like a new season. We've had a big break and we're going into, you know, the back end of the 2019-20 season. But it is like a new season, a new campaign. And Leeds United players, we've seen them. They've kept fit. They look phenomenal heading into this restart compared to other players at other clubs. And, we you know, we always start new seasons fantastically. We always, you know, under Bielsa, at the start of the season, we've always done phenomenally. So I think that we, we will be very good in the first uh, few games back here. Uh, Definitely. Um, now, speaking of Ellen Road, there's been uh, quite a lot of developments uh, down at Ellen Road uh, with the uh, Centenary Square at the building. Of course, the uh, uh, fans were able to buy bricks. I also bought one. I went down there to see if I could try and find my brick, but it was all cornered off, unfortunately. And it looks fantastic, does Centenary Square? It looks really, really good. So, uh, yeah, really good job that they're doing there. And also, they've built a road as well down where that roundabout is. That just before you you know you walk down on, onto Lowfields Road. There's a there's a road that goes left all the way down to the ice rink. But yeah, it's got it's gonna be very busy down there, that's for sure. Yeah. I mean it's nice to see that there's a there's a bit of development and a bit of, you know, progression going on around the club. And the club are trying to do trying to kind of ambitious projects outside of you know, on the pitch and other things and um, oh, hospitality. It's nice to see they've got stuff that everyone can kind of enjoy on their way to the ground. Yeah, I, I, I like I, I like Centenary Square and I, I like all the um, the plaques around the Billy Bremner statue and, and I, I like um, if I've got a couple of minutes to kill while I'm waiting for you or while I'm waiting for my old man or a couple of minutes to kill around the ground, then I, I do wonder I have a little considering spot any um, anybody I recognise or anybody I know or just some nice messages. So, yeah, I'm, I am pleased to see they're expanding it. 
Yeah, and and Centenary Square, you know, it, it looks fantastic, and it is an actual like square, <laughs> you know, because yeah. you look at you look at Bremner Square, all the bricks around it, just all in in a really odd shape, you know. Centenary Square, it looks fantastic so far. I can't wait for them uh, to finish it. Um, and then of course, you know, with with the ice rink as well down there, it's going to be very busy, but you know, I like it. It's going it's going to bring it, you know, a bit more to life because it desperately needed some work doing. Because without it being a match day down at Ellen Road and near, near Lowfields Road, it's just an absolute mess. There's just loads of spare land just sitting there. So I'm glad that they're doing something with it. And, you know, it does look quite good. And it's nice to see that they've, you know, starting in all these because, you know, they've all, they've announced it loads, loads of uh, plans and stuff. They've announced loads of them. And it's great to see them actually, you know, going through with it and, and starting some projects. So, um, so yeah, it's, fan- it's fantastic to see. Um, but yeah, that's Ellen Road. And that's the remaining fixtures sorted. Of course, the first game back is this Sunday. Charles and I will be back with another episode later in the week uh, where we will preview that game away at Cardiff. Uh, now, of course, fans are not allowed into these games and I do just want to say that if there's anyone out there uh, thinking of going down to, to the football grounds don't please don't please do not go down to the grounds uh, just stay away it's just too much of a risk you know for you the players uh, for everyone really so um yeah stay away from the grounds please I know that a lot of players have tweeted out about it uh, the club themselves have said something haven't they about uh, fans who are thinking about going down just don't don't be stupid. Um, and as for journalists, though, um, as far as I'm aware, there won't be any press conferences in person, at least. I think press conferences that could be done over Zoom calls or whatever, which would be nice. It'd be nice to hear from Marcel Bielsa and get all his thoughts on everything that's going on. Um, it's always fantastic hearing Marcel Bielsa. Seeing Phil Hay and uh, Bielsa communicate over Zoom is going to be very funny. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it already. Especially if the internet connection is not good and the and, question and, keeps and... getting cut out. <laughs> Uh, with, Phil, with Phil's accent as well, and uh, would be also being um, the Argentinian trying to understand that it's yeah. going to be uh, as as, uh, as the internet connection jumps and it is going to be hilarious. Yeah, it'll certainly be interesting, and I do think that that you know that is a p- big possibility. I think Bielsa, you know, would probably want to try and get you know as much of the normal stuff just back, and and he'd probably enjoy speaking to the press. So I think that he, that he'd enjoy press conferences returning in some way or another. I definitely don't think they'll be in person. You know, I think four parts is just limited to key personnel. Not anyone can just travel up there. I mean, press conferences they could be done down at the road, but I think you'd want to keep people as far away from Marcel Bielsa and the squad, um, you know, as much as possible really because it's just you know a big risk there especially Marcel Bielsa he's 64 years old you know <laughs> so he's in the category of high risk really yeah but yeah I definitely think you know press conferences over Zoom or Skype or whatever then that could be a, a big possibility and as I say it'd be great to hear from, to hear from Marcel Bielsa and everything that's gone on over these past few months uh, it'd also be great to hear more about the uh, injury to Jean-Kevin Augustin um, it was reported by the likes of Phil Hay and Adam Pope last week that Augustin has suffered uh, recurrence of his hamstring strain which is you know it's not good at all it looks like he'll miss the remainder of the games uh, which is really unfortunate because Charles from the pictures that we've seen he's looked in unreal shape yeah, it's feel really sorry for him. Yeah, it's gonna be a it, it's gonna be a bit of a blow. But the way I think about it is, we did most of the season and got to where we are without him. Tyler Roberts has come in when required and, and done a they've been the naval kind of deputy to Bamford and come in when required. And Bamford's been there all seasons. And to be honest, I'd be very surprised if Bielsa started Augustine at Cardiff over at Bamford. I'd, I'd be amazed if obviously he was still fit. So we're talking about losing. I know obviously he's a good player. He looks in good shape. But fundamentally, he is, for now at least, a bench option for Bielsa. So I think people are slightly overestimating the his loss. Although, 
you can't say it wouldn't be a loss because he is a very expensive, very able striker in brilliant shape. So, yeah, t- taking the positives, we've got this far without him. Can we get the rest of the way without him? I think we yeah. can. Yeah, one hundred percent. There, I really do echo your, echo your thoughts there. You know, we've we're seven points clear of third right now. We've got there without Sean Kevin Augustine. He hasn't made an impact at all, really, in the first team. You know, he's made a few appearances here and there, but he hasn't impacted the squad at all. Really, he hasn't scored any goals yet. Uh, so yeah, we, we've got this far without him, and I reckon that that we can go all the way without him as well. You know, just before lockdown as well, that four 0 win away at Hull City, Tyler Roberts scored two goals, so he's a good option. Bamford is there as well. You know. He, he does a good job, a fine job. So yeah, we, as I say, we, you know, we've got this far without him. I think that we can go all the way without him. But again, it is a big disappointment. You know, Sean Kevin Augustine, he excited a lot of fans. He is a good player. Whether he would have got into his team straight away for these last nine games, I'm not so sure he would have. You know, Marcel Bielsa, I think January transfers, you know, if they're not, apart from goalkeepers, I think players who come in January in the Marcel Bielsa squad, they have no chance of getting him until the end of the season uh, regularly unless there's a, a lovely load of injuries, uh, you know, because Marcel Bielsa likes to get him up to speed. And, yeah, so it looks like Jean-Kevin Augustin probably will miss the remaining nine games, uh, which is really unfortunate. Um, and it'll be interesting to what, see what happens with the deal as well, because, of course, because he is, of course, on, lo- on loan from uh, Red Bull Leipzig. And in the deal, if Leeds United go up, then we have to sign Jean-Kim and Augustin on a permanent basis. Whether you'd, whether the club would be willing to do that, you know, straight I away without him playing is, is interesting. Uh, you know, as far as I'm aware, Red Bull Leipzig, they are, for one, they are sure that Leeds United will buy him if they go up. But Leeds United, they could be a bit hesitant to purchase someone for £15 million or whatever if he hasn't played for the club yet. That, that'll be very interesting. Yeah, there's, the caveat to that is, apparently, from what from what Phil said, is that Augustine has to agree to it. If Augustine doesn't agree to come to Leeds for next season, then he won't be uh, he won't be signing. So if he, yeah. he feels he's not getting if he feels he's not getting enough game time or he's picking up too many injuries, he can watch the transfer essentially. But that, that yeah. that's the that, that's the only scenario in which Leeds go up and, and don't sign him. Yeah, yeah, it is a very very interesting and it's uh, one to watch there. Uh, but yeah, really fortunate that Augustine's um, got an injury um, and hopefully he does recover um, as soon as possible, really. Uh, but back onto what's happening with journalists. Uh, so BBC Video Leeds, uh, they will be doing match commentary for each game, uh, which is fantastic. You know, if the only way you can, you know, keep up to date with games and follow games live is through the radio and then you're in luck because BBC Radio Leeds will be doing commentary. And I'd imagine that the ma- that you know that the major broadcasters like the BBC and Sky, they will be allowed into football stadiums and into the games. But for newspaper and online journalists, I don't think they will be. You know, I think you know if you're focused on keeping you know players safe, and then you only allow key personnel into grounds. And, you know, broadcasters such as Sky and BBC Video Leeds, they need to be there because they need, you know, watch the game there and then. They need, they need to capture footage, capture audio from it. So, um, so yeah, I think those, those will be classed as key personnel. But for newspaper and online journalists, it's not so key for them to be in the ground because they're just, you know, writing on, on a bit of paper. They don't need they don't need to capture footage or audio of the actual game. They can just follow it on a live stream. So, yeah, that, that's just my personal opinion. I don't know that for sure. I do know for sure that. Sky and BBC, they're allowed in. But, you know, journalists, you know, for the Yorkshire Post, for example, and Leeds Live, I doubt that they will be able to go in. You know, they don't really need to be in the ground for it, if, if you know what I'm saying. Um, and I've been in the press box at Ellen Road many times, and there is no chance of social distancing there. <laughs> social distancing can't happen in the gantry or in the press box at Ellen Road, let me tell you. But Charles, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I mean, 
I, I sort of, I sort of agree with what you're saying. I, I don't think newspaper journalists need to be there, and with the with the risk that the players are already taking with the, with their own families and with themselves, and how the the championship want to minimise the amount of new infections they get, obviously, so that they can actually finish the competition, finish the season. It doesn't make any sense to take any unnecessary risks with regards to the players, the journalists, and stuff like that. Obviously, the games need to be broadcast because obviously no one's no one's allowed to be there. So unless unless someone's there to report on it or or film it, then no one's going to know what's going on. You'd have to like the olden days. We got buy a newspaper. <laughs> Figure out, find out what the result was two weeks ago, or whatever. <laughs> so, yeah, they've got to um, take precautions where necessary. So, I, I understand that. And plus, I think most reasonable journalists will agree that that's what you've got to do. And they they can just watch it on TV, and they can make all the they can obviously see the the majority of what they need to see to make their report. I think. Yeah, one hundred percent. And I'm sure that you know journalists, that, you know, the sensible as well, don't know that you know if they don't go on and. You know, there's less of a risk there of you know spreading spreading anything. So, um, so yeah, I think that they are journalists are sensible and they'd understand if they're not allowed in. But yeah, no way social distancing can happen in the press box on the road. And you know, they they could scatter journalists around the ground, but they need powerpoints. <laughs> like you know, they need um, you know, somewhere to charge a laptop. So you know, unless Leeds United bring out all the extension leads, you know, <laughs> that's not going to happen. So um, it, you know, it will be interesting to see what happens. As I say, the major broadcasters such as Sky and BBC, they definitely will be allowed into the grounds. But you know, for the likes of Phil Hayne, you know, Leeds Live and Yorkshire Evening Post, it'll be interesting to see if they're allowed in. They can always put them in the executive boxes, I suppose. One in each executive box for all the kind of really essential newspaper uh, journalists, can't they? they? They could follow the guidelines doing that. So yeah. They could, but it just, it's just whether they, uh, the club wants to run, like, all the executive boxes in the ground. Yeah, uh, they'd probably the... only want to open the, you know, the main stand. They'd probably only yeah. want to open that one and not open anything else. Yeah, so... Yeah, we'll see what Phil says about it. We'll we'll find out for the for the for the first home game. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it is it is an interesting uh, thing and one and one to look out for. Uh, but yeah, so for us, for fans wanting to watch and follow the games uh, live, there will of course be updates on Twitter. As I mentioned, BBC Radio Leeds they'll be doing commentary and Sky will be broadcasting, and uh, LUTV as well. They will also be showing games. And uh, Leeds United have done a really good thing for ticket and season ticket holders uh, in terms of rebate options. They've given season ticket holders uh, three options, which are as follows. So option one is letting the club keep the money to support the development of young players within the club academy and help to develop the stars of the future. That's for that's the same option one for everyone. Uh, option two for adults is access to watch all nine of the remaining games live in LUTV copies of the official match day programs for the five remaining home games, a personalised Crowdy, which we'll get onto in a moment, a virtual ticket to the Player of the Year awards, and a retail gift card to the value of £50. Uh, for other season ticket holders, uh, option two is just LUTV access, £50 club shop gift card, and a Crowdy. And that was after uh, Leeds United that they changed their, their mind on that. At first, it was just a £100 uh, club shop gift card and a Crowdy they change it to LUTV access. So it's good, Charles, that the club listened to fans there and changed that option for everyone else. Yeah. I mean, the, the crowd is a bit of a pitch. Some of them are brilliant. I think there's uh, an opportunity there for some people to uh, have a bit of fun and stick uh, <laughs> kind of ridiculous things in the crowd. Like I heard someone wants to stick like Ken Bates in the crowd for a laugh on and stuff like that. 
Oh, but honestly, so, <laughs> on, on, on the other hand, people sticking like relatives and that who've, who've passed away, and that's that's quite nice, and and we've got to be respectful of that. But yeah, it is, it is a good option. I think they they changed their mind on the eighteen to twenty two season season ticket holders, didn't they? Because there was initially a, a bit of a problem with with regards to that on the options. Yeah, as I say, it was just the club shop gift card and and a crowdie. I, I think you know, season ticket holders they wanted to watch the game, so. Yeah. Then changed it, which I think is good, and you know, I think I think that's a really good option there for, for everyone. Really, I wouldn't have minded, you know, for copies of the of the match day programs for the games. That would have been quite cool, you know, to get them delivered and to be able to read them. But you know, not too bothered about that. Uh, but you know, I, it would have been quite nice. I personally went for the uh, the full refund option because I've got uh, certain bills to pay <laughs> these yeah, days. Yeah. Yeah, as, as so. I say, option three is just a basic refund and on on the uh, remaining games. So around you know, 80 to 100 pound or so. And, it, you know, Charles, it's great that the club has, you know, provided, you know, three different options and, you know, good options as well. Yeah, it's, it's nice to give, give people a bit of um, variety in what they want to do with the rest of their money. And it frees people up from the kind of, I'm a better fan than you problem, really, because everyone's got, the, everyone's got, you know, same options, but they're, they're varied and you can pick whichever one suits you best. It's um, it's certainly better than others, uh, other championship clubs uh, have done. Uh, yeah. Sunderland was was uh, obviously not in the championship; they're in League One. But that there was quite a funny one because they just refused to refund anybody. Yeah, and then they bit... changed the changed their mind on that and and, and yeah. they give people refund options. Bristol City they they haven't offered a refund at all. They've just said, yeah, option one, you can watch the remaining games with you know like full coverage, like an hour long pre match and post match coverage, and then option two is just the name woven into a shirt and and into a program. Which you know sounds alright, but the fact that Leeds United have offered the option of just you know a basic you know full refund on the remaining games, I think that's really good. I think that's really cool. Um, option one, you know, fantastic. If you if you want to pick that, it does sound like a bit of a guilt trip to me because it says, it yeah, does. donate your money to 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 the youngsters. There's no but, guarantee it'll get spent on them. It'll most likely get yeah. spent on player wages or staff <laughs> wages or paying the guy who cuts the grass or any of the, the cost of running a football club in the championship. Yeah, <laughs> they, they, just, um, they, they just don't they just don't want to put option one. Let us keep your money on there. <laughs> <laughs> but, but option one is basically saying let's keep your money <laughs> um a crowdy though as as we've uh just touched upon there a crowdy is a cardboard cutout of the picture of your choosing uh which will be placed inside Ellen Road for the remaining games um and i do hope as well you know for seeing ticket holders who picked uh option two so they get a crowdy i hope that the crowdies are put into our actual seats that would be really really awesome to have my crowdy in my seat seat three of the uh, of the south stand i think it is <laughs> I, I don't think they'll do that though mate i think they'll probably just pick the uh, east stand and put them in there i'd be surprised if they just dotted everyone's around the ground yeah um just, logistically just a bit too much stuff to do in it <laughs> they could just put them all in a big row in the east stand yeah, but the club don't. You know, they've sold crowdies to to anyone, to any fan who, who wants one at twenty five pound a piece, which is quite a lot for a bit of cardboard, if we're being honest. But the club have sold fifteen thousand of them already. So will fifteen thousand of them or twenty thousand of them all fit in the East Stand? I don't know because you know the capacity of Ellen Road is only thirty six thousand. So the East Stand, what's the capacity of that? You know, twenty twenty five thousand or so. So it'd be interesting to see if they can fit them all in there. Um, East Stand is uh, eighteen thousand. 18,000. Yeah, so if there's yeah. 20,000, then they'll have to put, you know, 
cardboard cutouts elsewhere. I think it would be cool if they put cardboard cutouts, you know, around the whole stadium. I think I think that would be really cool, not just in one stand. I think it's quite a quite an intelligent commercial idea to make up all the money they're going to lose from refunds and gift cards and stuff if by making it up by by basically selling selling the crowd is it is a good idea. Yeah, I mean, twenty five pound that's that's more expensive than some match day tickets. I mean, maybe that's the cynical side of me. Them seem to try and make the, try and make the money back, but um, yeah, I, I do admire the kind of ingenuity of it. Yeah, I think they've made the money back on at least one game there because twenty five pound is more than some you know than some match tickets. So, um, so yeah, it seems like a good idea. As I say, they've sold fifteen thousand of them already. I don't know if that includes seat ticket holders who picked the option for a crowdie. I don't know if, if that's included in those numbers. Um, but it's still a lot of orders. You know, if you look at it, the club have made £37,000 in cardboard cutouts, which is just unbelievable. <laughs> and as you said, Tiles, you know, we've seen people submitting photos of past players and, you know, past donors and stuff. Uh, but we've also seen uh, people, you know, submit photos of family members for their crowdie, which is a, a very nice touch. Um, and, you know, we must reiterate as well, you know, there's nothing wrong with whatever option you pick. You know, if you want to pick option one, fantastic, do it. If you want to pick option two or three, there's nothing wrong with that. Don't feel guilty in picking option three or two. You know, it doesn't make you less of a fan um, if you choose to, to take your money back or, or whatever. You know, we discussed this in the last episode. It doesn't make you less of a fan, whatever, whatever option you pick, Charles. No, no. It's like, I always think of it like if you, if you, if you buy a, if you place an order online for a product and you don't get it, you get refunded, don't you? If you, yeah. if you pay for a, if you pay for a product which is watching Leeds United play football and you can't be there to watch play football, then you're entitled to your money back. That's that, it's as simple as that. Yeah, you're not getting 100%. the service you bought. You're not getting the service you bought. Then yeah, it's your, it's your right as a consumer. Yeah, one hundred percent. I must say, I did select option two simply because I wanted a crowdy. I want LUTV access, so I don't have to listen to like Don Goodman talk crap about Leeds for ninety minutes each game. Um, and also, I'd have you know, I'd have probably gone and spent fifty pound in a club shop anyway. Um, so it's nice to just you know get my gift card, and I probably will go and buy a shirt either this season's or wait until uh, next season's kit. Um, and speaking. Of next season's kit, it looks like our away shirt for the 2020-21 season um, has been leaked. It was uh, leaked by Footy Headliners um, last week. Um, it does look genuine as well. You know, it's got the Adidas branding on, and you know, as we've mentioned, as we've discussed in the past, it does look like Adidas uh, will be Leeds United's uh, kit supplier from next season onwards. And yes, yeah, so the kit is kind of a dark bluish, greenish striped shirt. Uh, kind of a darker version of that blue striped away shirt we had in the 2008 or 9 season back in League One, um, you know, which I quite it, liked. I, I was quite a fan of that one. It's a lot like the one from the mid 90s, the kind of the away shirts between kind of 93 and 95, and the one um, the picture of your bow wearing one somewhere, but yeah, the kind of green and dark blue, the uh, yeah, you know, the, the old fashioned Thistle Hotel shirt, yeah, it, it, it kind of reminds me of that one a bit, yeah, but you know, the shirt that's been leaked though. I don't think it looks that great, really. I don't know. I I, I quite like new wear shirts. I don't think I think the colours probably need the colours aren't really leads. The, the blue's a bit dark and green's got nothing to do with leads. And I yeah. I, I always I always say I like a yellow wear shirt. I love and we've not had a proper yellow wear shirt for a few years now because according to Angus Kinnear, they don't sell very well. So well, well we had one last season. Well that was the third kit, wasn't it? It wasn't the wear shirt. Yeah. But we wore it a few so, times, and that that was a really nice kit. Yeah, but that, but that was I, I wanted it to be the proper wear shirt, not the not yeah. the third kit. <laughs> but yeah, I, I'm, um, I I don't I don't mind it. I think I think it'd be all right. I think 
as a one-off. Like we've had we've had bloody charcoal grey and pink this season. So <laughs> I, I, I don't think I don't think this is a this is a massive a step away from from what leads us. Yeah, bringing back bringing back the uh, blue colours. Yeah, <laughs> that that I'll definitely take that over uh, a grey and pink shirt. Now you know the shirt that's being leaked. It's obviously missing the shirt sponsors, you know, logo and, and other things like that. But personally, I think it just looks a bit dull and bland. Really, you know, very dark colours on it. You know, very dark blues. It looks kind of green, really, obsidian green. Yeah, in my opinion, it just looks a bit dull and bland. You know, I was excited that our shirt's going to be made by Adidas. I thought it would have looked a lot crueler than than this. Um, of course, you know, it is just a leak. You know, we we don't know if it's if it's genuine or not. But you know, if it is. You know, I, I'm probably not gonna. I'm probably not gonna buy that one. So yeah, with a fifty pound uh, club shop gift card, um, I might actually buy, <laughs> buy just buy the uh, shirt for this season. <laughs> now moving on. Um, now on the day that we're recording this podcast, and hopefully, uh, when this podcast goes out, it's Monday the fifteenth of June, twenty twenty. Two years to the day since Marcelo Bielsa was appointed manager of Leeds United. Would you believe, Charles? These two years, they've absolutely flown by. <laughs> It makes me feel old thinking about it. To be fair, <laughs> it, he's, he's definitely been the the best manager I I can ever remember watching manage Leeds United in my lifetime. And I'm 21, so we've we've had quite a few in that time. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but he's it's been it has been a it's been a brilliant journey. I've really enjoyed it. There's, I actually want there've been times over the last kind of 15, 16 years of when I've actually been going to games and that. Where I've thought is a much point me being here. Mm. <laughs> am I am I am I paying every week just to see us be awful? Yeah, there was like a few years period where going to watch Leeds United. You know, you do it because you love just the club, but it did feel yeah. like a chore. Yeah, it, it did feel like a chore. I, I don't think that I don't think that makes you makes you a plastic fan to just think that this. Is, obviously, I was, you still you still go to games, but you just think I'm spending money on them. They're watching them, and they're just awful. <laughs> there's no yeah. there's no ambi- there's no ambition, and there was no ambition in the club for a few years. We had terrible chairmen. We had financial dist- you know destruction of the club basically <laughs> from about 2007 on, uh, to, uh, until we kind of got until until like 2014 2015 when Chilino kind of sorted out. I mean, I don't like giving Chilino some of credit. some of the mess. Yeah, yeah, he started yeah, off he started some things. Yeah, he paid off a bit of the GFH and he paid off a bit of the debt. But yeah, but then no, some some like, of the things Chilino did, such as yeah. splitting up the South Stands. Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying he's a good chair. tax and stuff. Yeah, yeah. But then and then obviously Roger Zani came in and paid off quite a lot more of it. But we we still weirdly owe GFH four million pounds in the accounts, which is amazing to me. But yeah. So we've had we've had a lot of tough times. So to get to get a manager as kind of as, as pure morally and as pure football wise and, and just a fantastically interesting bloke to to have manage our football club. Weirdly in the championship, despite his abilities are definitely beyond this this league. It's been fantastic and it will honestly break my heart when he goes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one hundred percent. I mean we we've had so many managers of Leeds in our lifetime, some dreadful managers. Some really, really awful managers, Darko, Milanich, Hockaday, some dreadful managers. So to get, you know, Marcel Bielsa in, who has such a, a fantastic CV, you know, he's managed Argentina, he's managed Chile, managed Marseille, Alice Corbel Bau to the Europa League final in 2012. You know, so, someone of his calibre, who Pep Guardiola said is the best manager in the world, and make sure Pochettino saying is the best manager in the world. You know, it, it was really, really exciting. The, the, do you remember the day? Marcel Bielsa was appointed. What, what what were your feelings around that time? I don't remember the day he was appointed uh, exactly, but I remember 
uh, about a couple of days before that, when Phil was starting to like the rumours that he might be the head coach, and I was discussing it with my dad in the car, kind of, because I'm not going to deny it, I didn't know much about him before he came here, because I'm not, I'm not a football savant, I don't know everything about South American football and stuff like that. <laughs> but yes, yeah, so I was looking him up, and, uh, and my dad was saying, oh, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not too sure, I'm not too sure, I'm not, um, is is this just another chance on a, on a on a coach? And I actually said, I remember saying it. I actually reckon it'll be, it'll be decent. This guy, look, look what he's he managed to achieve in his club. Look, look what people say about him. If people don't, people don't say that kind of stuff about you if you if you're a bad coach. Yeah, most of the time. <laughs> yeah. So I, I was I was very optimistic for this for this appointment and out of character out of character really because I'm a bit, a, bit, a bit of a pessimistic person as you know. So <laughs> to be quite optimistic for this, and I was uh, I was rewarded. I've I've, I've 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 loved nearly every minute of it. I mean, apart from the, the heartbreak of the end of last season, yeah. it's been spectacular, really. And I, yeah. some people, some people, you know, when we went on that bit of a bad run in January, they were, they were going, "Oh, we're doing it again." It's just like we were always going to lose games, and we're always going to we're Legion United. We always slip up in New Year, yeah. but as long as we can finish all right, and, and once we sorted out that bad run, we were fine. And I I I'd faith that we would actually come round. <laughs> yeah, and we did. Um, yeah. You know, the, the day that Marcel Bielsa was appointed for me, because I did a live stream on both YouTube and Facebook, uh, two different live streams, so it was a very hectic day. Um, and yeah, at first I was thinking, interesting. You know, I didn't know much about Marcel Bielsa, but then when you did the research, you saw, you know, what he'd done in the past. And then you were just like, wow, how have we got this guy? How, how have we got him? And it was such an exciting appointment. Pre-season, though, in 2018, that was a little bit different, you know, a little bit weird. You know, we played for likes of Forest Green Rovers and York City. And, the, you know, the amount of different lineups we had, you know, I remember, what was it, against York City, we had Idaguchi and Union O'Kane and Lomans de Bock as a back three. You know, you saw some, <laughs> some of the lineups and you're like, what on earth is going on? <laughs> Yeah, I mean the first kind of I think the first time everybody realised what was what was, what was gonna gonna happen was the, obviously the Stoke at home game at the start of last season when you when you realised this this we could really be on to something here because we absolutely tore them apart. Even though yeah. Tom Ince did di- dive for that penalty and it was a blatant dive, we still absolutely dominated them. And we could, it was three 0 it could have been four or five. Yeah. We, we absolutely smashed them, and they were a relegated Premier uh, side out of the Premier League. So we we knew we were on to something special from that yeah. day. I reckon. I think, I think but, most but, people will agree with that. Yeah. But the week before that Stoke City game, though, uh, so the last friendly game was at Ellen Road. It was a 1-0 win over last Palmas. Uh, me and we you went to that one. Yeah I, yeah, I had literally just landed from holiday and then uh, got dropped off straight down at Ellen Road <laughs> to, to go watch that game. Yeah, I know, because you because you, you looked really tired and a bit hungover <laughs> when oh, you were man. there. <laughs> on that holiday, I was on a cruise uh, um, you know, around Spain and Portugal. I flew in from Malaga. And yeah, I was shattered, barely got any sleep. I was hungover. I was tanned. I was tired. Got loads of sun. <laughs> but I was like, you know what? We're going to get back to Leeds at whatever time. I think that I can make it to this game. So I texted you with the airport and then you were up for going. So me and you ended up going to that last Palmas game. It was a spectacular. I don't think I've ever traveled to a game all the way from a different country. <laughs> that, that was very <laughs> cool. But no, that, that game, that wonder win over last Palmas at Elverde in the last friendly uh, before that season started, you know, that game, if I'm being honest, it didn't fill me with hope. You know, the back three was Phillips. Cooper and Bavardi, that didn't fill me with too much confidence. You know what? What were you expecting going into that season? You know, were, were you optimistic after that game? I wouldn't say I was massively optimistic because it took like a very late Kemal Roof winner, from what I recall. Uh, yeah, he scored like the 88th minute or something like that. But um, 
yeah, I was I was pleased to see. I was pleased to see we'd won the, we'd won the game because Las Palmas were a good team. I think they'd just been relegated out of the Liga, so they were a good side. But yeah, I wasn't I, I, I wasn't expecting the, the season that was to come. I, I'd be lying if I said I, I expected us to you know play how we played or do what we did against Stoke because I, I, I didn't. But yeah, I'm always I, I always start against my better judgment. I always start a new season with hope that we're going to do something good. We're going to achieve something. <laughs> The hope that kills. Uh, yeah, it, it really is the hope that kills you. <laughs> yeah. You know, I must say, I wasn't optimistic going into that season. And it was a big surprise when, you know, when we came out against Stoke City and, and smashed them 3-1. You know, it was such a big surprise. And we dominated that game as well from start to finish. And Berardi doing a fantastic job against Peter Crouch in that game. You know, it was such a big surprise. But, you know, early on in that season, some of the tactics and decisions from Bielsa really did baffle me. You know, such as when he subbed off. Karen Phillips after 15, 20 minutes in a few of those games, you know, it really did baffle me. And, you know, it made you think, yeah, wow, we're, we're really in for a roller coaster here because some of these decisions, you know, such as making free subs before half time or whatever, you know, so, some of the decisions were like, yep, yeah, we're, we're in for a roller coaster here under Marcel Bielsa. And, you know, after those first few games, I wasn't expecting the season that, that we'd have. And, you know, there's so many memories to take from that season, you know, some great football, with, you know, Leeds were playing some great football on display, especially in December when we went on that seven-game winning streak, coming back against Aston Villa away uh, from 2-0 down to win 3-2, that comeback against Blackburn. So many good memories. Who can forget Spygate as well? And that that emergency press conference, you know, do you remember that day, that emergency press conference? It was announced in the afternoon. Marcel Bielsa's called a press conference and loads of rumours flying about that he was going to just just walk away and leave. What were you thinking on that day? I can't deny there was a there was a bit of a, a, a fear in me that he was going to leave, but Phil was kind of a point that he wasn't going to leave and that it was just to clear the air about about Spygate. So as long as that that was that was all it was, I didn't, I didn't really mind. It was a bit of a strange one because I don't really want to go into massive detail because we've done, we've done it. If you want, if you want to hear what we said about, go back and listen to what we said about it at the time. But yeah, the whole thing was massively misinterpreted. That whole press conference, people thought it was Bielsa showing off, and it was basically. It wasn't. It was basically saying, I don't need to do this, the spying thing. I do it because it keeps my anxiety down about the games. That was essentially <laughs> what I was saying. Yeah. But, you know, the likes, of, the likes of Dean Saunders went mental. But, you know, that's just the, the, what, what people like him do on, yeah. the, on those talk, talk radio shows. Yeah, uh, but it, it was such a crazy time and that emergency press conference as well. I, you know, I'll never forget that. You know, you're looking at the photos of Marcel Bielsa explaining everything that Derby County do, all of their tactics to, to a room full of journalists and cameras. It, it, was just, it was just unbelievable. Of course, as well, towards the end of the season, Marcel Bielsa letting Aston Villa score uh, just shows what, what a great character Marcel Bielsa is. And yeah, it, it was such a such a fantastic season, so many memories that, you know, you just need to thank Marcel Bielsa for. You know, if it wasn't for Marcel Bielsa, he wouldn't have played that football, that style of football. It would have been just another boring season. So, yeah, credit to the club for bringing him in and, you know, what a guy Marcel Bielsa is. And credit to Marcel Bielsa as well for staying, staying around for another season. You know, because at the end of that season, you know, it was a one-year contract, um, rolling contract, I think. And the, the, you were thinking, will Marcel Bielsa just, just leave it at that? Because Marcel Bielsa was saying at the time, I think I've got all that I can out of the players. So it was quite a worrying summer. Yeah. He kind of thought that we missed a very big opportunity, but I think Victor Otto and uh, Regisani managed to convince him that this was a this was a proper project and if he could get us up there, then we could really achieve something. And I think he bought he bought into the kind of the club, the culture, the fans. I think he I think he felt appreciated. I think he felt like everyone wanted him here. And I think 
even though he said he got all the can out of the players, I think I think I, I think even he's surprised this, this to be fair this season how much how much the players have given more and how much they are willing to buy into it. And I think he he appreciates the commitment from the players and from the fans from the whole club towards him. And yeah, uh, that's why he chose to stay on. Yeah, one hundred percent. The twenty nineteen twenty season, you know, so far footballing wise, at least it hasn't been too eventful. It's been pretty plain sailing. We've been very, very, very clear of third place for for quite a lot of this season. So it has been pretty plain sailing, not too eventful, footballing wise. Uh, but hopefully, we can get the job done uh, with the restart. And uh, hopefully, Marcel Bielsa will stay with us if we were to get promoted. Do you think he would stay with us if we were going to get promoted? You know, you'd think that the temptation of playing in the Premier League, um, you know, managing Leeds United against Pep Guardiola and and the likes, you know, you'd think that that would be too much to resist for him. So you'd hope that he'd stay with us, Charles. Yeah, I'm just, I cannot, I'm already anticipating the, the, the media farce that if we get promoted, the, the camera's going to be on Bielsa all the time while yeah. we're, in the, we're in the Premier League. He's going to get harassed. Obviously, in the Premier League, they like to do post-match interviews with every manager. I mean, Gary Lineker likes doing, sometimes does interviews on, on uh, Match of the Day, doesn't he? He interviews people. I can't imagine how that's going to go with Bielsa, whether he's actually going to, because you can, you can already see the likes of bloody Jermaine Genius and Martin Keogh moaning about the fact he didn't speak English already. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear! Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a very weird world if we're going to get but promoted. We'll I am. Be, it'll I am be a very different Premier League from when we were in the last time. That's for sure. I am. I am looking forward to the impact we'll have on the Premier League because, our, especially our fan base against other like turning up at Southampton and turning up at Watford and turning up at these other sterile places and you know actually singing. <laughs> I'm looking forward <laughs> to what's going to what's going to happen in them situations. Yeah, definitely. And you, you you'd hope as well that you know by the time next season comes around, fans are allowed back in because it'd be such a shame to miss the entire season. You know, our first season back in the Premier League, it'll be such a shame to not be able to have any fans in the ground. So you'd hope that by the time the next season starts in, you know, in August or September, that fans will be allowed back into stadiums for sure. Now, moving on then, let's have a look at some of the uh, some of the listeners' questions and comments from the last episode. Now, first of all, I do want to shout out um, at Mishy1989 on Twitter, who is always so supportive of, of the podcast each time we release them. So thank you. Uh, very much to them. Um, but looking at the comments on YouTube, uh, Martin says the club should commission a bust or a plaque for each of the very greats to be unveiled after we achieve promotion and the honour should be on display outside of the ground. Now, I, I quite like that idea. That that that's, that does sound pretty good, you know, to have a big statue or plaque of just all of the very team somewhere you know, at the road outside the grounds. I think that does sound quite good, Charles. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I would, I would like to see that. Um, so, yeah, if the club can fund that, then that'd be that'd be nice. Um, I'm sure they can. We'll have a lot of money when we go up, and it, it would be nice, especially for the because um, we can honour the era of Revy players while the majority of them are still alive, and I think they'll love that. And I think have, having them there for like the grand opening of it will be a very nice moment for the club. Yeah, and I think with that as well, you know, if you if you're gonna do a big statue of the entire Revy team along with Don Revy himself, you'd get rid of that single statue of Revy, which is in the worst place possible. 
you know, right above the car park. So if you're going to get a picture of him, you just got all the cars in the car park behind it. It's, it's, it's in an awful place, that statue. But so yeah, it would it, be great if, if, if you just got a, a big statue, just a big stand with statues and, and or, or plaques of just all the players from that member team. I think that'd be a fantastic tribute. Uh, 100%, 100% and you know, do it as soon as possible, really, so that the players from that very era who are still alive can appreciate it as well. Ian Mozer, 1234 on YouTube, he also says that empty grounds will suit Leeds better. No pressure on players such as Bamford, which is a very, very interesting point, And I somewhat agree with him. You know, we discussed in the last episode how, you know, fans, they always impact games, you know, they push the players on to, you know, in that, in that Blackburn game last season, without the fans, I don't think we would have been able to come back from 2-1 down, heading into any time to win 3-2. You know, we, we talked about the, the impact fans have and the positive impact fans have. And, you know, the impact fans may have on referees, but we didn't touch on, you know, the impact fans have that, that are negative. So Ian Moser brings it up. You know, I think I think it's a fairly good point because, you know, in, in games in the past, when players haven't been doing too well, you know, when the, a, a pass is misplaced, even though we could be 4 up and a pass is misplaced, the fans will, they'll moan and, you know, they'll groan and, 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 and you know, they'll... They'll, they'll get the players' backs easily. So, you know, I think that's an interesting point, and I somewhat agree. What, what about you, Charles? I, I, I don't. I'm sorry to, to, to say. <laughs> I uh, I disagree. I think that the, the positive impact that Leeds fans give the players is far out, out kind of outweighs and exceeds the negative that sometimes gets piled on a, a players' backs, the pressure. I honestly think that we are we are their boost. And I think uh, Bamford got interviewed by uh, West Yorkshire Sport recently, and he was saying that, that's true that the Leeds fans really do give the the players a massive boost, um, especially in, in crunch moments in games and getting getting players back into games and giving that a bit of a lift. So I think I think other clubs with with worse fan bases will not feel the impact as much. I think we I'd be interested to see how how we react in general to not having our fans there because I think the the best part of, about Leeds um, because the club is is how how kind of strange and funny and just all around brilliantly fan base actually is, especially yeah. at the ground. So I'd be interested to see how our players react to that. And I hope they can, I hope, I, I really hope they can do it without us there physically. We're all there in spirit, but <laughs> without us there physically. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. I mean, you know, it, it will be weird because, you know, every single Leeds home game is packed to the rafters. You know, the home end is always sold out. So the players would have got used to that. So it'd be very different. And, you know, I've been down to Helen Road when there's no fans there. It's really, really, you know, weird because, you know, th- there's no noises. You can hear the echoes around the ground. You know, if you talk from the dugout, it, it rings all around the ground. You can hear the birds chirping on the roof. You know, it is a weird experience being down on the road when no one's there. So, yeah, it, it will be interesting. And, yeah, you know, as you say, you know, fans, did, you know, they do have a big positive impact. But I do somewhat agree with the fact that, you know, it could help players with not having 20,000 fans not on the back. You know, that's all I'm saying. I think that it's great having fans in 100%. But if you're looking at the positives of this, then that is one big positive. You know, the, the players were, were, you know, a, a bit of pressure eased off the shoulders. So, um, but no, an interesting point there for me and Moza. And uh, yeah, really, really do appreciate uh, that comment. Thanks to everyone um, who got in touch and left comments on the uh, last episode. We really do appreciate it. Uh, make sure to let us know your thoughts and questions and anything. And uh, Charles and I uh, will do our best to respond in the next episode. <laughs> Uh, but that does bring us to the end of episode 65 of the All Things Leeds podcast. Thank you very much, as always, to Charles, as always, for joining me. Thank you for having me on, mate. 
And uh, thank you as well to everyone who has uh, watched or listened. We really do um, appreciate it. Uh, if you enjoyed, then why not subscribe or follow the podcast? Give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts if you're listening on there. Share the podcast around as well. It really does help us out. And uh, Make sure to follow All Things Leeds on social media. It's all scrolling at the bottom of the screen. If you're watching on YouTube and Facebook, all scrolling down at the bottom of the screen. Uh, so make sure to uh, follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Search Poor Things Leads 1 on Instagram and Twitter. Search Poor Things Leads on Facebook. And subscribe to our YouTube channel as well if you have not already. Um, and yeah, that, that, that that's it. <laughs> that's the end. Uh, of course, uh, during these difficult and unprecedented times, do you want to remind everyone to follow all the advice to help save lives, protect the NHS? Um, and uh, yeah, hopefully we can offer some light relief during these times. Uh, but until next time, take care, stay healthy, stay safe. Charles, stay safe, stay healthy. And uh, we'll speak to you soon. Speak to you soon.